You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 13 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the kitchen studio, as always, fresh and bright as a daisy, is Simon Waltorton. <laughs> hello, Simon. <laughs> hello, uh, Carlos. How are you? I'm very well, Simon. Yes. How, how, are you, how are you getting on? How, yeah. how are things? Yeah, not so bad. Uh, good, I think good. we're right on the road to recovery on certain things, so that's uh, pretty good. Uh, very hectic and busy. Sorry uh, we're a bit late on everything, because... Um, uh, We've had uh, quite a busy uh, few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We try. We're trying. We said that we'd always try and get one of these podcasts out each week, but um, obviously Simon works uh, various sort of shift patterns, and I know I work various shift patterns. So we just, we kind of try and uh, correlate and get our times together so we can get a podcast out as soon as we can, don't we, Simon? Yes, so. yes. Um, yeah. As we uh, sort of head in. Uh, Ever closer to the air show season, which I'm looking forward to. We had a lovely day yesterday, but it's uh, turned cold again now, which is a shame, isn't it? Yeah, we did. We had uh, we had summer weather yesterday, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, so it was um, really nice. London temperatures, uh, uh, 18, 19. Mm, so yeah. it's quite uh, mild, but yeah. um, that wind is still fairly cold, and there's still a possibility of uh, cold weather, but um, hopefully um, that's all going to change soon. Do you think we'll get any snow, Simon? Mm. <laughs> well, we've had it in May before, so what are we in, March now? March now, yeah. Still a possibility, but uh, we'll see how we go. Yeah, so as we record this episode, it's uh, Monday the 10th of March, uh, just coming up to quarter five in the evening. Yes. Or late yes. afternoon, however yep. you, you want to say. Yes. And uh, we've uh, there's been some quite um, quite sad things in the news over the last few days, isn't there, Simon? Yes, um, it has. Um, we're going to cover in our yeah. news feature. Yes. Uh, with the Malaysia crash and stuff. We're following uh, following the news feeds literally as we record the show, to keep you up to date with anything that does pop up while we're recording this. Um, but we're going to have a little discussion about that uh, in the news part of the show. Simon's got some bits and pieces um, of uh, sort of military news as well, and uh, he'll obviously uh, sort of refresh your memory on the air shows and stuff that are yes. coming up. Yeah, they over... start in uh, sort of April um, and head right through into October, so we've got quite a long uh, schedule of air shows, but I'll try and... Uh, Break them down each month as we go along, and uh, talk about any updates on uh, any air shows throughout the um, 2014, and um, where aircraft have been added to lists. Um, so yeah, are we Excellent. ready to go? Yeah, are we going to start off with our weekly news, Ensign? Yes, let's go for it. Right, let's go for it. So, first piece of news then, kicking off this week, is uh, obviously going to be the news that's been top of the news for the last few days. It's regarding the uh, Malaysian Airlines 777-200 that uh, has uh, disappeared and still remains a mystery uh, today. Uh, The aircraft, uh, the 777-200, had 239 people on board and uh, sadly, as yet, uh, there's been no uh, no wreckage or any idea of what's happened to the aircraft. Searches are continuing. Uh, there's a lot of different um, countries involved in the search. Um, I know that uh, the Americans have sent uh, a, a ship um, yes. themselves 
uh, with a with a helicopter uh, on board as well to help with the search. The Chinese are obviously helping. The Malaysians are obviously um, have all got search teams and stuff out. Um, just looking at uh, one of the news feeds today on the um, Sky News website, and uh, for those of you who've been following this news, they obviously found um, what they thought was some uh, wreckage or debris uh, on the surface. Um, they've just said today that uh, unfortunately this this has not been confirmed, and they do not think this is uh, wreckage from the aircraft. And the oil slicks um, that they found in the news, they're saying today that uh, samples that were taken from the oil slick that they found um, have come from a ship and not the missing aircraft, um, as they said in previous uh, news feeds. So, Simon, this is uh, quite worrying, really, isn't it? This yes. Um, when did this happen? This happened uh, Saturday morning, didn't it? And what uh, we, uh, fr- is it Friday night or Saturday morning? Yes, uh, somewhere around that. Um, sort of early part of the weekend, mm. and we're now into... Monday, Monday, heading towards Monday, early Monday uh, evening, and um, it's very strange. Um, normally, as we were talking earlier before we went on air about aircraft, there is some sort of wreckage from something somewhere. But yeah. at the moment, uh, looking at this, I'm getting a bit worried about this because I just sort of uh, talking to Carlos to say whether or not it is vaguely, maybe possible that it's landed somewhere remote or landed at a, a military base and or something but i honestly don't think that's going to be the case um and no. and as we get further and further into this um it's either there's two things which i think it um possibly be and you must probably agree with me on this and it's either a severe mechanical failure or um hate to say this, are uh, hijacking uh, with a bomb or of some sort because it, this must have been a catastrophic um uh, crash or explosion to cause this and have nothing, nothing yeah. at all. I mean, we we cast our minds back uh, a few years to the Air France um, Airbus A330 uh, that plunged into the sea. Um, if you remember from that, Simon, they they found uh, floating debris in the water and uh, you know the, the floating tail, um, which we can all remember from the, the pictures on the news and the, the various bits of floating debris they found from that particular crash which crashed into the sea. It just seems bizarre that uh, if the aircraft um, did disintegrate either before or when it hit the water, that there isn't more or any yes. um, uh, debris at all. I mean, Yes, and there wasn't even a mayday uh, or distress call uh, sent out for the aircraft, so I'm, no. I'm very um, sort of concerned about what has actually happened here. Um, and they can't find. Normally, every aircraft has got a uh, receiver, and uh, they do have a emergency transponder on them uh, yeah. for location. But there's nothing at all. Um, and the longer it's left, the uh, black boxes. I think it's two weeks. I think they have. Uh, they have um, uh, two. Is that? I think it's two weeks on the on the black box. Now, is that um, just in water? In or water, yeah. In water, yeah. and uh, obviously a little bit longer if it's over ground, but. To find nothing, and they've got over 40 aircraft out now searching. Um, they've sort of extended the area they were searching, haven't mm. they? The search um, team, there's actually 10 countries wow. involved. Yeah, there's um, quite a lot. In this search. And they're covering or concentrating their efforts on 10,500 square miles of, uh, of ocean area that includes parts of the Gulf of Thailand and the South China Sea. Now, there is a lot of, um, in Vietnam and all around that area, there is a lot of uh, dense forest, isn't there? And yeah. um, sort of area that is unaccessible via 
road or anything. So that may be worth them looking into that in that area. But it's a vast area they've got, and um, I just I'm just totally baffled by the whole thing, as most probably everybody else is, um, for this to go on so long without a thing being spotted. No. Whatsoever. Um, we're just following the Sky News site now. There's um, there's still there's still nothing. They're still searching. Um, just some uh, info on the aircraft itself, the triple seven. As it was, it was a two hundred series aircraft, uh, the slightly shorter one than the three hundred uh, ER aircraft. Uh, registration nine Mike Mike Romeo Oscar, and uh, as we said, it had two hundred twenty seven passengers and twelve crew. And it was en route at flight level 350, uh, 40 minutes into the flight. And it was 90 nautical miles northeast of Kota Baru, Malaysia, over the Gulf of Thailand. And at the time, it was in contact with the Subang Centre, Malaysia, and was just about to be handed off to the Ho Chi Minh Air Traffic Control Centre in Vietnam when the radar contact was lost uh, at about 0122 Lima, or 1722 Zulu on March the 7th. So uh, that's quite uh, scary. I've just got the uh, figures up on the aircraft, Simon. The uh, aircraft itself was built in 2002. Oh, that's quite a um, more recent one, because I know some of them are a lot older than that, so it's not that old, is it? Yeah, it was delivered to uh, the airline on the 31st of May in 2002. And uh, the aircraft uh, has had one previous incident, uh, which happened uh, on the 9th of August 2012. This one was at Shanghai Pudong Airport, and uh, the tip of one of the wings was broken off after contact with a Airbus A340 while taxiing, and the uh, tip was repaired and the aircraft put straight back into service. So just one incident there, not... Mm. Not a major one. No, that um, could be an area, well, I say that could be an area, that will be an area they'll be looking into. It's, it's obviously had an accident before, um, and the wing is obviously a uh, quite a major part of the aircraft, and uh, not just a major part, it carries a lot of the fuel, so that could be an uh, area worth looking into that it had a, uh, it was safe to fly after that. Um, so That happened in 2012, at this August, yes, 2012. So yeah. a fairly recent yes, uh, incident, yeah. that one. Yeah, and uh, but the uh, news that we're get, we're trying to say that we're going to give you as much news as we can, but it's no further forward than it was the uh, um, near enough when it happened. So no. it's just um, very very strange. And we've got I'm looking at the pictures, and there's loads of aircraft, and it's quite a Kuala Lumpur to uh, Beijing. It's quite a um, a long haul flight, I would say. On that, well, it looks quite a long haul flight. Um, uh, just, I'm just looking at an update here um, on the Aviation Herald's website, this one. And this was updated today, uh, this morning. And this one says that uh, Hong Kong's Air Traffic Control Centre reported on March the 10th, which is today, is it March yes, the 10th? Yes, it is. Today, at uh, 09.30 this morning, that an airliner en route uh, on the this particular airway that this uh, Malaysia one was travelling on, radioed that they'd saw or seen a large uh, field of debris at position uh, North 9, 72 East, 107.42 at 80 nautical miles southeast of Ho Chi Minh City, 
which is 50 nautical miles off the south uh, southeastern coast of Vietnam in the South China Sea and about 281 nautical miles northeast of the last known radar position. Ships have been dispatched to the reported debris field, so a possibility that could be something there, Simon. We yes, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but I'm um, just looking at this, uh, the uh, map with the uh, 100 uh, miles, I think they're going to have to extend that a little bit further because an aircraft to fall out of the sky at that height... Um, Debris, no matter whether it's heavy or light, can travel a very long, long way. Can't have fallen from that height. So yeah. I think 100 miles is a bit um, a bit too small of an area. But, well, I mean, perhaps, um, you know, this, this debris field they've found could, could turn out to be something of interest. Yes, yeah. Um, it's been spotted by another aircraft, <coughs> so... Uh, so yeah. yeah, so it's it. By looking at this uh, picture here, it's... In the Gulf of Thailand, or just uh, south of Gulf of uh, Thailand, but and near the South China Sea, but it's just um, it's actually gone down, or something's happened to it over water, and it's just well, I'm just um, very confused and baffled by the whole thing. I thought um, by now they'd had something, but nothing at all. Even with all these aircrafts and ships that are searching for it, nothing. No, and also, like, like uh, Simon said earlier, the fact that there was no Mayday call or anything no. like that suggests that there was something instant and um, catastrophic that uh, they just didn't have any time at all to, to radio. Yes. So there's two things. It's either got to be um, uh, high, hijacking or um, a major engine uh, catastrophe. So Or structural. Yes, yeah. Right there, I've just uh, I'm just looking on here. Um, there's uh, just an update coming from Sky. No confirmed sighting of any uh, debris from missing Malaysian Airlines flight MH370. Yellow object seen floating in the sea is not a life raft as previously hoped. Dozens of helicopters and boats from ten countries, which we said, and authorities are still puzzled. And uh, security service investigating whether the plane was hijacked or was destroyed by terrorists. Hmm. So, it's so that's a story we're going to um, we're going to keep a close eye on that. Keep um, keep your eyes on uh, our Facebook site. We'll um, we'll put some stuff on there if we see any new any new pieces of news. Yes, because um, looking at this, um, we had two false passports, didn't we? Um, mm. Which uh, we haven't sort of discussed. Suspect, yeah, par- passports that were um, that were stolen previously, uh, four or five months earlier from two passengers, but they're not uh, not being ruled out. But uh, they're sort of saying that uh, it's something they'll look into um, about these uh, stolen passports. Uh, as the uh, two passport holders brought tickets together uh, and were due to fly to Europe after landing in Beijing. So that's another security issue that could be uh, yes, a cause. Yes, um, yeah. yeah. So, well, like we said, we will uh, keep you updated uh, if any more. Um, news does come in, but obviously at the moment, um, all the media reports and uh, photos, there's nothing at all. Um, so, we're sorry we haven't got anything else to update you with. Um, no. Obviously, the search will continue, and as we said, we'll uh, we'll keep you uh, informed as yeah. if we hear anything else. Yes, and uh, we our thoughts are with all the families and everything uh, uh, for this uh, tragic uh, accident or whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
Okay then, so leaving that piece of news and we're going to move on with the rest of the news then. So first piece uh, then is on the from the Yorkshire Post website. This one is um, regarding building starting for a base for rescue hol- uh, helicopters at Humberside Airport. It will house two helicopters operated by the US-based Bristow Helicopters, which was awarded a $1.6 billion contract last year by the government to run the service from 2015. The shake-up will see the familiar Yellow Sea King helicopters operated from RAF Leakenfield in the East Yorkshire, replaced by new Sikorsky S-92s. The base is, being, uh, is one of seven being built by Bristow, at Inverness, Manston, Prestwick, <coughs> Canaphorn, St Athen and Newquay. The firm's managing director, Mike Limack, said that the start of construction is an important and exciting milestone for us as we work towards assuming responsibility for the delivery of UK SAR helicopter services next year. We've been working closely with the Humberside Airport team and look forward to continuing our excellent work and relationship with them throughout the build and once the base becomes operational. Bristow already provides search and rescue bases at Stornoway in the Western Isles and Sumba in Shetland. So that's good news, isn't it? Some yes, more, um, um, in a way. Um, I used to work um, on the RNLI, and uh, I will be sad to see the uh, Sea King. I know it's getting an old aircraft now because uh, um, late 60s and early 70s they were um, built. So I will be sad to see the Sea King go because it is uh, part and quite familiar to the skies around uh, the UK, and uh, it will be a sad time to see them go because they're based at Waddisham uh, here, which we have two Sea Kings. Uh, Rescue 125 and 126, and um, they used to be based at RAF Cultural before that with the uh, Wessex, and obviously the Sea King uh, at a later time. But yeah, that will be a sad time to see them go, but um, obviously they're upgrading uh, and changing everything around. Yeah, that's something we didn't know about you, Simon. That you, uh, well, I knew, but uh, yes. Simon, yes, one he, of your um, one of your uh, family. Yes, he uh, Simon used to be uh, uh, work on the RNLI. Is it inshore? Boat? Yes, yeah, it inshore was, uh, South boat. Broads, and it's now uh, transferred to Galston. Yeah, so Simon used to work uh, alongside my uncle. Yes, uh, and I had many uh, nice uh, rides and uh, jollies up in the uh, Sea King. <laughs> Uh, one or two of Rolton Broad. Uh, which you, was, you've uh, had a you've had a ride or two. Yes, Excellent. yes, yes. Uh, very noisy aircraft, um, but an enjoyable flight. Uh, it was a lovely day, and uh, yes, I've been winched up from a D class uh, lifeboat, and then winched back and uh, had a ride around Alton Broad and last off. So yeah, that was good. Oh wow! And um, you didn't you, know, you weren't worried at all about being in a helicopter? Then? No, no, not at that time, because um, there weren't so <laughs> many accidents as there is now. And also, I've been to Watsham a few times uh, and saw the uh, police helicopter down there as well. So that was an enjoyable day out. And uh, they do have a a nice hangar down at Watsham um, with the Sea Kings in. They've got a gym, a nice place, an area to just chill out and relax. And all, that is all they do: uh, just chill out and relax, play snooker use the gym, watch TV until they get a call out, which is quite relaxing. But then when you've been out on a long call, to come back to that, it's quite nice to just chill out and relax after a long flight. So, Just looking on here, Simon, the, um, the Sea King, um, for some information for you, there's been 344 built. Yes. And uh, they were produced from 1969 till 1995. Yes. And the primary users being the Royal Navy, the Royal Air Force, and the Indian Navy yes. as well. Yes. Now, I have seen them uh, uh, react, uh, the Indian Navy, with their 
uh, Sea Kings, and um, they had a, a few years back, they had a helicopter display there, and it was just a mass fly past of helicopters uh, with the radar boom, uh, one on the side of the Sea King, and um, Merlins and God knows, links uh, every aircraft or helicopter you can imagine just about that are still uh, flying today. And the Sikorsky S-92, which we just said is replacing the uh, Sea King, that first flew in December 1998. Yes. Um, and introduced into service in 2004 and is used by CHC helicopters, Bristow and Cougar helicopters. Yes. And there's 219 of those um, have, that have been built yeah. Now they will be uh, modified, uh, obviously, to uh, um, Forsar, and obviously they're going to have a winch and a sliding door on the side. Um, just a few of the modifications that will be needed, and um, I would imagine, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, they're going to be red and white. Um, I think they were red in the middle and white at each end, uh, similar to the uh, Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard uh, colours. So. Yeah, that'd be a sad uh, to see, like we said, the uh, Yellow Sea Kings disappear, but um, obviously times change and things move on, so... Yeah, I wish... Uh, I've never never got a chance to fly. I flew on the uh, S61. Yes. But never never a Sea King. Yeah. Um, so that's something I've missed out on. Because if they ever, ever have to ditch, um, they always ditch to the port side, because um, the starboard side uh, has the sliding door, and uh, if it does need to ditch, it will ditch... That way, so you can the pilots and the crew can get out of the aircraft from the big sliding uh, door being pointing up to the sky. So, would you like to would you like to buy a Sikorsky S ninety two? No, but you're not going to tell me how much, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> we like to bring in these sorts of facts on the show. So, if you want to buy uh, a Sikorsky S ninety two, that'll cost you thirty two million dollars. Yeah. Now, uh, do I get a tank of fuel with that? <laughs> You get mat, mats and flaps with that Oh, one. really? Well, oh, flaps, you definitely yeah. get. <laughs> Some chocks maybe as Some well. chocks maybe as well, yeah. Or chocolates, I still, yeah. <laughs> okay, next piece of news then, the Euro Weekly News. Um, uh, Ryanair News. You've got that one there, haven't you, Simon? Yes, Funny. I have, yes. Uh, Ryanair sacks an air steward for eating a sandwich without paying for it. Um, Low-cost carrier Ryanair has a reputation for being strict in its applying its in-house regulations for passengers and also its staff, it seems. The Dublin-based airline has sacked a Spanish steward for eating a sandwich on board without previously paying for it. The Spanish Supreme Court has rejected an appeal by the steward in question, Juan Francisco Montes Monsignor, who is a resident in Madrid but was hired under Irish labour laws. Ryanair rules are that cabin crew must ask permission to consume food food items um, on sale to passengers and pay for them before proceeding to eat them. Hmm. According to Ryanair's in-flight price list, the ham, cheese and tomato sandwich in question costs €5.50. And the the steward uh, began working for Ryanair in June 2007 on a temporary contract or a series of temporary contracts. Uh, he's took the case to the Madrid Provincial Court, uh, who eventually agreed to accept his suit for under unfair dismissal. However, the Supreme Court ruled that Spanish Labour Courts had no jurisdiction over the case because he was employed under Irish law. Simon, honestly, sacked for eating a sandwich. Well, they have got rules, haven't they? And um, obviously the rules that they have were just... Uh I think it's a bit harsh, and had a warning for that, but 
Yeah, you think there'd be a sort of a one, two, and a three strikes yes. your own sort yeah. of thing, but yeah, obviously definitely. not with Ryan. No, no, no. Poor oh. fellow. Yeah. So next piece of news then, uh, the Business Traveller site. This one uh, is regarding Etihad, and they're to debut their A380 on a London route. Etihad Airways are likely to, to debut their A380 on its Abu Dhabi to London Heathrow route for the first week of December this year. The Gulf Carrier is scheduled to add its first 10 Super Jumbos to its fleet that month in December and will fly the Airbus aircraft to London and then from New York, Sydney and Melbourne. Etihad CEO James Hogan revealed that news at a press conference in Dubai on uh, when, oh, yesterday. The airline will operate its A380s in a three-class configuration of first business class and economy. It's also due to receive its first Boeing 787 Dreamliner in the fourth quarter of this year. The 40 Boeing 787-900s that Etihad has on order will come in two-class and three-class configurations. And it also has an additional 30 Boeing 787-10s uh, on order uh, on the Boeing books scheduled to arrive in 2018. Last week it emerged that Etihad will soon launch a service to Scotland um, which will be quite an interesting one to see. I've noticed that a lot of the um, Middle East airlines are starting to fly to the airports up north, Simon, sort of Manchester. Yes, which uh, is Emirates. a good thing uh, because I think, uh, I like Heathrow, don't get me wrong, um, it's lovely, but they need to stretch out a bit more in the UK rather than just Heathrow, Gatwick. Mm. Um, and I know they use um, Manchester as well, but if they, uh, one or two, like we say in uh, Glasgow, is. Uh, an airport which they use in Edinburgh as well so they have got quite a long runway so they can accommodate the bigger aircraft and that just takes the pressure off Heathrow because at peak times Heathrow you're looking at an aircraft every 25 to 30 seconds um, or maybe less than that even but having said that I said when I say less I mean more aircraft in mm. um, coming in so yeah that is uh, just takes the pressure off a little bit yeah it'd be nice to see the Etihad A380 Hopefully we'll be seeing the 380 at yes, Farnborough this year. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to that. Mm. So next piece of news then is on the Traverse City website. And this is regarding United Airlines, who are going to get tough and uh, crack down on oversized carry-on bags. United Airlines is getting tough with its supersized carry-on bags. <coughs> Although rules remain unchanged, the carrier is looking to enforce its policy more strictly even sending passengers back to check their bags in for a fee. United has also installed new equipment for checking bag sizes at many airports and also emailed frequent flyers with a reminder of the carry-on policy. According to an internal newsletter, it is a renowned focus on carry-on compliance. The airline's passengers are allowed to take on one bag on board measuring no more than 9 inches by 14 inches by 22 inches along with an additional small item such as a laptop bag or purse United's long standing policy has all has been allowed always been allowed oversized bags to be checked in for free but now anyone stopped at security with a bulky luggage bag will be sent back to the ticket counter to check the bag in for a $25 fee United said it hopes to speed up the boarding process and ultimately the time it takes uh, to board an aircraft and the time the aircraft spends on a tarmac. 
However, many travellers believe it's simply an excuse to generate more revenue. Early this year, United's Chief Revenue Officer Jim Compton said that the carrier was hoping to get an extra £700 million in ancillary fees over the next four years. So, United, have you flown with United before? Yes, I'm glad you've brought this up, actually, and I can give you quite a bit more information on this. Um, now, I've flown United numerous times to America um, from Heathrow and um, obviously uh, back from San Francisco to Heathrow and, and uh, Los Angeles and then obviously on the little aircraft. Now, I've been coming back um, or going to America and we've, I've said to my mother and my wife, I said, look, you're looking at these looking at these people with the bags, the bag sizes that we have and that are in the, we've checked into the hold for our holiday, people are bringing on board the aircraft. So if you can imagine a full-size bag and then they're then having to uh, put them in the, take what they do, they have a cart, like a, a la carte, um, small cart outside and they put um, hold and they put a tag at the bottom of the stairs or in the tunnel. So they take them down the stairs and then they reload them with the rest of the luggage or people take them on board so we've been on board and we're always very cautious of our hand luggage size and stick to the rules. But we're seeing people coming on with massive, massive luggage bags, bigger than our ones we've checked in. Mm. And they're trying to actually put them in the overhead bins, which are quite big on the big aircraft. Yeah. But obviously um, some of the small, smaller regional jets, um, which I've flown, and the 737s. The bins are smaller. The bins are smaller, but mm. they've, they're getting wedged up, up, up the aisles right at the other end. They're wedging them under the seats right at the back, or they've got some extra cupboards where they're just throwing them in there. So what they're doing um, should have been done a long while ago, and I'm glad they're um, taking this. And I don't think the uh, $25 fee is... Um, Got to put that many people off because it's not that much really uh, in UK pounds. So, but I'm glad it's uh, happening now because I just look in disgust when you see people trying to drag one of those big luggage bags yeah. up the aisle, and they won't even hardly fit up the aisle. And it's a, it's their full luggage. Mm. It's their full luggage, even on the um, like the the small internal flights. They've got them as well. And I think to myself, I'm we're sitting here on check in, and they're carrying these full size suitcases into the uh, um, fuselage of the aircraft, and they should be checked in at the um, main desk, and they're not. And I think, and my mum said to me, she said, this is crazy, you know. But Ryanair have been, they're, they're fairly hot on yes. stuff like that. Yes, um, All the times we've flown with Ryanair. We've been caught out a few times, but um, I, I generally tend to put the cabin crew in their place when they try and uh, weigh our bags, because I always tend to uh, carry... Every time we go on holiday, a little set of digital scales. That is a good idea. Very good idea. <laughs> yes, yes. You're Especially right. when you're travelling home with a few extra bottles of um, of uh, alcohol. Yes, in, the, no, in any case. Yeah, no. Obviously, the liquid uh, thing you can't get um, back from the US and a lot of other places, so that is quite difficult now. The duty mm. freeze. But it's, I tell you what, for for the price of um, a, a pint of beer. Um, you can go on sites like Amazon and uh, uh, other various, eBay, and purchase a set of digital case scales, yes. um, which are very small and just fit in your hand luggage. Well, that's good. I'll have to remember and, that. And uh, they're, they're a brilliant idea. Um, with they've, they've sort of, you know, every time before we fly on holiday, we always make sure we check the weight of our hand luggage case and suitcase. Yes, yep. Um, but uh, when you do fly international, you do tend to get a, a bit more of a, a, a heavier 
allowance yes. of baggage, as you <coughs> yes. probably know, Simon. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm flying with Virgin, and they uh, give you a sports equipment allowance on top of your uh, full luggage allowance, so that's pretty good. And uh, I managed to get skis. I uh, brought a sledge back from the US in 2012, so we had we were had so much stuff to bring back from our friends because obviously we'd been storing it out in California and they'd moved, so or we're about to move that week, so we brought everything back, um, but we we brought no end back. We we nearly nearly needed another car, so. <laughs> <laughs> Heathrow when we came in because we had we had a sledge we had about three or four sets of skis we had uh, helmet bags and uh, boot bags and uh, all the luggage as well so we were quite big uh, fairly stashed out with stuff yeah uh, one thing I've never tried skiing I think I'd probably end up falling over and um, that's what most breaking people, various most, most people uh, worry about that don't they yeah <clears throat> I'd um, I'd rather stick to um Learning to fly. <laughs> You're going to have to take me up sometime, you yes, know that. Yes, hopefully I want to start uh, learning to fly again this summer, fingers crossed. Uh, so next piece of news then is uh, from the Reuters website. This one is uh, regarding Lufthansa uh, unveiling their new premium economy class. Uh, Lufthansa follows rivals such as BA and United uh, to be the first on the 747-800 and other long-haul planes and aims to steal customers from its rivals. The uh, Lufthansa, Germany's largest airline, unveiled its new premium economy class on Wednesday as part of a €3 billion investment in seats to catch up with the fast-growing rivals from the Middle East. The airline (coughs) said that the new class would be available on its long-haul flights from November this year on its Boeing 747-800s, flying to destinations such as Washington, D.C., Los Angeles or Hong Kong. Lufthansa is following around 40 other airlines that have already um, already have economy or premium economy seating, such as British Airways, United, Qantas. The premium economy concept has been around for more than a decade. Lufthansa's passengers, uh, passenger airlines chief commercial officer Jens Biskoff said that the airline had had sleepless nights about whether to introduce a premium economy class but was comfortable now that the group had upgraded its business class, meaning there was enough of a difference between economy and business to justify the introduction of a premium economy. He said he believed the product was of high enough quality and that the airline would be able to snatch customers from its rivals. A return flight and premium economy which gives customers more baggage allowance and more space and a bigger entertainment screen, among other benefits and will cost an average €600 more than a regular economy ticket, but far less than the average €2,000 markup for a business class seat. The bigger question is whether businesses will now look to book the class for those travelling on business airline seats at the moment. Biscoff said around 70% of business class travellers were travelling in economy these days and they believe the upscale or potential for economy to premium economy is far bigger than the downsell from full class to business class with a flat seat. So that's good news, eh? Yes, If yes. you're flying uh, premium economy. Yes. Now, I've uh, flown premium economy on United and um, Virgin Atlantic, and um, when I say I've flown on that, I have. Um, but I, because of my, I'm 6'2", or just over. Yeah, Simon's tall. Uh, <laughs> I always ask um, for an exit, um, emergency exit aisle or a bulkhead, um, and normally they do upgrade for free, 
uh, on certain occasions and certain times I've been. Not every time, but if you ask and you've dressed right, and you know this, don't yes, you? If you, dress, yep. if you dress the part uh, to fly, you are um, more desirable for them for an upgrade So and possibly a free upgrade. If they've got seats um, that are spare and the aircraft configuration of all the passengers doesn't quite... No, they haven't got a full aircraft. They can move people about to adjust the uh, weight of the mm. aircraft, and this does happen quite uh, regular. So if you are travelling, just think, dress yeah. appropriate, um, smart, and uh, then uh, just tell them uh, that you need extra leg room or whatever and um, see how you go from there. And uh, It does work. It trust, does work. Trust me, listeners, I've tried it. Me and my wife tried it. When we went on a honeymoon, I've probably mentioned this in the previous podcast, but we did get an upgrade into business class with Emirates. Yes. Just by asking. Yeah. That's all I did was ask. Yeah. And if you don't ask, you're you not going to get. get. Yeah, that's exactly right. You won't this, get. This is something that's, that's been picked up on other podcasts that I listened to in the past um, of uh, having free upgra- upgrades. And like we just said, dress smartly and, um, you know, be polite. Uh, approach the, the um, check-in people at the desk. You know, be polite. Just, just be yourself, really. Yes, be, yeah. I'm sure all our listeners are all um, lovely, polite people. And just, just ask. You, you know, if you don't ask, like Simon says, if you don't ask, you, you won't get. So try it. Next time you're travelling uh, international flight, just um, just ask. Can I, yeah. can I have a free upgrade, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you might be lucky enough to, to uh, get it, because I'll tell you now for something, this... The upgrade that we had, um, had we have paid for it, would have cost us nearly £6,000. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Um, for the flight that we had um, to the Maldives with Emirates. Um, and I have to say that uh, it is another, it's another world. It, it is. is another world. And, when, and I do notice this when you get off the aircraft and you've come through from premium economy or economy and you walk to um, disembark the aircraft and when you look, you see that. In there, and how the people have been li- the other half have been how living. The other half live, yes, yes, <laughs> and it's quite, um, it's quite uh, shocking, isn't it? Yeah, all the leg room, the the little um, USB ports, and uh, all the other gadgets and gizmos, and big tellies, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, massage seats. Oh, yeah. cool, blimey, that was lovely. I Leather seats, such fond memories of that flight. I do have, I tell you. Yes, but uh, if any of our listeners listening to the show, if you've got any um, sort of stories, little snippets of um, of uh, any time that you've uh, managed to get yourself an upgrade, do do let us know. Send us an email via the website, and um, yeah. Just definitely, definitely tell us about your experiences flying um, on business or even first class with other airlines. We'd like to hear from it. Just so just uh, hear from you. Just just send us an email. Let us know how your experiences are. What uh, your f- particular favourite part of your upgrade was. So next piece of news then is the Business Traveller website. This one is regarding Qatar Airways. Um, they're uh, debuting their A380 first class cabin. Hopefully, we'll see one of their 380s at Farnborough this year. Simon. Yes, they've, yep. um, they've kind of announced they'll be showing one of their 380s at Farnborough now, this did year. We, I think we uh, uh, discussed this before, didn't we? Um, is this aircraft that's going to be at Farnborough, is it going to be a fully kitted out one or is it a test aircraft? I don't honestly know, but I would imagine it will be a fully kitted out one. Right. Uh, whether we'll be allowed on board is another yes, thing, but yeah. um, it'd be nice if we were. Yes, I'm looking at the uh, photo here, um, which uh, we've got on the thing of the Qatar Airways and 
and just looking at this first class um, here, it's amazing. It's it totally is amazing. Amazing. Um, got massive plasma screens, and then you've got a little tiny um, look like folding table that pops up in the centre there, in between the two TVs, and two little um, lamps or a lamp for each um, passenger, which it just it just looks like a lounge, doesn't <laughs> it? It's just unbelievable. So the, the news came as the Gulf Carrier premiered its, uh, the, the first Superjumbo's first-class cabin at the ITB Trade Fair in Berlin. It will contain eight-seat beds, which will be the widest and largest in the air once the aircraft is launched. Each first-class seat will feature a 90-inch pitch and transform into a fully lie-flat bed. The IF Screen 2 will be the largest currently on offer at 26 inches wide. And there will be an exclusive first-class lounge on board uh, and a dining-for-two option uh, in which passengers can sit opposite one another while they dine. Very romantic. <laughs> oh, yes, very romantic. CEO Akbar Al-Baker said that uh, there was a market for such a seat on certain routes, such as the London to Doha route, and the intent was to offer something the competition didn't have. He said that Qatar had deliberately not gone for the suites with sliding doors that uh, Emirates actually use, um, though the suite with only eight seats in the cabin would offer all the privacy passengers would wish for. The airline has 13 A380-800s on order and will fit them out in a three-class configuration of first business and economy over two decks. Al Baker said it's a landmark moment to see this fantastic new first-class A380 seat displayed here at ITB in Berlin. Operating on the Doha to London route, this cabin will offer a new level of comfort for passengers travelling to the United Kingdom, who will also benefit from our premium terminal in Doha and the new Qatar Airways premium lounge in London Heathrow Terminal 4. The Airbus will operate on QR1 and QR2 to and from London Doha and it will replace uh, an A340-500. Qatar Airways 380 will also feature at the Farnborough International Air Show in July. And in addition to the 13 A380s the airline currently has an order, Qatar is always uh, also set this year to welcome the first of 80 Airbus A350 aircraft as Airbus's launch customer. So as Simon was saying, I mean, the pictures on there, Simon, are, are absolutely that's amazing. Yes, and looking at the uh, bed here, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It just really is. Um, and it's just spectacular. The bottom of the bed, you've got a plasma TV in the corner of your 26-inch TV. Yes, and in the corner, <laughs> you've got a... Um, a little uh, lamp there at the bottom of the uh, bed, and you're obviously a little table in it. And looking on this uh, second picture here, it looks as though there's a little divider that comes up um, between. So we've got total privacy there, mm. um, which is nice. So I don't know whether I'd um, like that sort or whether I'd like the little cabins they have on Singapore Airlines and one or two of the others. Um, but that doesn't look too bad, actually, does it? You don't feel sort of claustrophobic in that it's, it's kind of like it, I think it's kind of like if you're flying in first class it's kind of like have, being on your own private jet it is the sort of luxury that it, it uh, Qatar are yes. going to offer yes um, yeah. it's really nice yes, really nice it is. Um, a lot of these uh, Middle East airlines uh, do seem as though they're 
a little uh, sort of step and a, or cut above the rest, don't they? Yeah, their service their service is um, is awesome when you. Uh, when you when you sort of look at uh, compare the airlines, a lot of the um, Middle East airlines do offer the the, the staff and that are just superb. And uh, I know Singapore Airlines is the uh, world's most favourite and top airline still, uh, and has been for quite a few years now. I've travelled them a few times, and um, I can honestly say that uh, Singapore Airlines are one of the the best airlines. <coughs> excuse me, that I have flown on so. Yeah, you haven't uh, flown uh, Singapore Airlines, have you? No, I haven't. No, Simon. Um, it's a lovely experience, and the food they do is uh, quite exquisite as well, even in uh, premium economy. And um, yeah, so that is uh, something uh, well worth uh, looking into if you are. Perhaps that's somewhere I, I need to uh, need to look into going next, then, Simon. Yeah, Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely place. A lovely place. I've been with uh, my mother uh, two or three times on our way out to uh, Australia to visit family. So yeah, it's good. So next piece of news then from the travel website, Times Travel website. This one is British Airways. Um, they're going to offer cheaper day trip fares. Uh, British Airways are to offer cut price fares um, launched uh, just for those wanting to spend a few days overseas. But is six hours in Rome really worth it? British Airways is offering what it claims to be affordable day-trip tickets for anyone wanting to fly to popular city break destinations and back on the same day. The airline is offering the return fares from Heathrow Airport only to Dublin from £79, Edinburgh from £89, Geneva from £79, Vienna from £99, Munich from £99 and Rome from £89. The flights are for those travelling with hand luggage only and are for departures on Saturdays or Sundays. At first, first glance, these seem to be uh, like fairly good prices when compared to the cost of adding together two single tickets through BA. But low-cost rivals still outflank the carrier. A quick look at Ryanair's website reveals that a day return to Dublin on a typical April weekend, for example, can be found for as little as £43.78 and also means that you can only take hand luggage only. So, Simon, that's, that's a really good idea. I think yes. British uh, Airways are trying to um, appeal more to uh, Ryanair passengers, I think, who want that little bit... Better service, I think. On, yes, because on, on at one point, uh, British Airways did try and uh, were in the market, weren't they? What airline was that? What was their uh, budget airline called a few year back? Um, can you remember off the uh, top of your head? Oh, Simon, you've got uh, me there. Um, but I'll, they did. They I'll did have you, one. If you carry on, Simon, I'll, I'll quickly search for it. Yes. Well, <laughs> um, a lot of people uh, don't know, but uh, British Airways were into the market a few year back now uh, with a budget airline, uh, obviously to compete with Ryanair and EasyJet. Um, now, I can't remember what it was called, but they used to use the, um, I think they were just mainly using 737 uh, 300 or 400s, it may have been 600s, but um, then they sold them on, I can't remember who Yeah, they... it was Go. Yeah, that's it. Go. Yes, Airline, I remember yeah. that. Um, Go Airlines, uh, they had their hub at London Luton. Yes. 28 aircraft. And their parent company, as we said, was British Airways. They had their headquarters at London Luton. Um, and they went from 1998 to 2003. So it wasn't a, um, a very long setup in this um, sort of budget airline world for them, was it really? No, they had 27. 
Boeing 737-300. Right, yeah, it was a 300 then. Yeah, quite old ones then. Yeah, um, but obviously a lot of those aircraft have either been sold on or back into the uh, British Airways fleet. Um, But yeah, that didn't last uh, long at all. Um, Obviously they couldn't compete or it wasn't viable for them, so yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to um, definitely... uh, keep a lookout on the uh, internet for the prices of those because that's that's quite appealing i think yes somebody, it is yeah if somebody wants to go across to sort of rome or something just for the day um i mean obviously you're not you're not gonna be able to drive to rome in your car for uh for what uh, 79 quid no. and then you can get a hotel quid. for the same price again so if the, is that one way or is that return uh that is return return no, that's not bad so is that's it? that's not bad yeah so for under 200 pounds you could have a holiday um, or a day trip over there, or weekend or whatever, which is pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. So, next piece of news then, moving on, is uh, from the Market Watch Wall Street Journal site. This one is uh, about EasyJet, uh, and they're seeing their traffic rising in February uh, up 2.9%. London budget carrier uh, EasyJet uh, said uh, on Thursday that it carried 4.23 million passengers in February. Up 2.9% from 4.11 million passengers uh, a year earlier. February's load factor, the number of passengers as a proportion of the number of seats available for passengers, was 90.7% up from 90.5% in the same month a year earlier, making 89.4% of the rolling 12 months. The airline carried 61.6 million passengers in the 12 months up 3.5% from 59.49 million a year earlier, it said. Shares on Wednesday, that's last Wednesday, closed at uh, 17.39 pence, valuing the company at £6.9 billion, or $11.51 billion. Um, so that's good news for EasyJet then. Yes, uh, yeah, that is. Um, seeing good. their traffic look, rising. Yeah, that looks uh, good uh, shares to have, don't they? Yeah. And uh, also, um, EasyJet have also announced uh, this year a few more routes, but they're to be confirmed, so we'll, uh, we'll bring you the news on them as and when we find them out. So, next piece of news uh, from the Wall Street Journal. This one is regarding Ryanair, and uh, their passengers' uh, numbers have risen at 7%, so <laughs> slightly more than EasyJet. Yes, um, um, I think these two are competitive, well, I say are, uh, definitely uh, competition with each other, but um, on a par with each other, would imagine they're near enough the same, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think, um, like I've always said before, I, I just prefer the EasyJet um, package a bit bit more, but I think there is a, a rivalry there, definitely between the two airlines. They're, they are sort of um, trying to outdo each other at various yes. um, points. Obviously, Ryanair have just obviously revamped their whole customer service, seeing their website um, and ease of use. Yes. And they've obviously lowered their um, baggage fees and stuff over yes, the last few months. Yes, so. well, I think, uh, like I said before in a previous podcast, um, I had the Witch magazine and uh, said how uh, poor the uh, service was uh, with Ryanair and um, the charges that they uh, actually uh, give out to the customers. So they must be uh, taking a little bit of advice and listening uh, to uh, what's happening and uh, sort of... Uh, making it a little better for everybody. So Yeah, the low-cost air, uh, airline Ryanair said on Thursday that the number of passengers it carried in February rose 7% to 4.5 million compared with 4.2 million a year earlier. 
For the 12 months ended February 2014, the airline carried 81.9 million passengers, a rise of 3%. February's load factor, the number of passengers as a proportion of the number of seats available for passengers, was 78% compared with 77% and 83% for the rolling 12 months, the airline said. Further improvements will be rolled out over the coming months as Ryanair continues to lower its prices and improve uh, on its industry-leading customer service, said Ryanair's head of communications, Robin Keeley. So um, we're hopefully going to travel with Ryanair um, again this year because they are the cheapest to fly to Malta um, later on this year. So it'll be interesting to see how easy and uh, how cheap their flights are when, yes. when uh, we do go. Yes, because they are flying from Norwich Airport, but obviously um, you've got to... Yeah. Um, I say a Malta flying from uh, Norwich Airport, so... Yeah, and the prices of the flights are rather expensive. Well, they... Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I can imagine. Uh, so next piece of news on the BBC News website, and um, this one is a plane uh, that was diverted to Belfast International Airport after a woman went into labour. Belfast International Airport had an unusual arrival this week after a flight had to be diverted when a passenger went into labour. Medical crews were rushed to the airport to deal with the emergency when the plane landed at County Antrim at around 6.15 GMT last Thursday. The Air France flight was making its way from Paris to Detroit and the aircraft was about 250 miles off the coast of Ireland when the alarm was raised. The plane's captain took the decision to launch uh, launch emergency procedures over the Atlantic and contacted staff at Aldergrove. With 300-passenger aircraft approximately 45 minutes from Belfast, the airport emergency service and medical crews were immediately put on standby. Deborah Harris, public relations manager at the airport, told BBC Radio Ulster's talkback programme that she could not remember anything like this ever happening before. Uh, It was a bit of a spectacle for anyone that was there, and they took a call from an aircraft flying overhead at around 15.30 hours GMT, and the captain told us that the lady on board was actually pregnant and in labour. Mrs Harris said the emergency medical procedures were immediately put in place and the plane landed safely on the runway around 45 minutes later. The aircraft, an Airbus A340, um, was uh, not uh, an aircraft not very often seen at uh, Belfast uh, Airport, um, but it was great that they did have the, capa- uh, the capability uh, on the runway to take it. And it was also quite an eye-opener when it did arrive. I'm sure there'll be plenty of... Uh, yes, plenty of... Uh, I wouldn't photo, photo yes. opportunities. Yes, uh, I'm going to possibly uh, YouTube or Google that uh, later to see um, if I can find anything. Because um, if you've got a small airport um, with a big uh, runway, um, and obviously all the pilots um, of any airline know and do have data and um, lengths of runways to make sure that they can land before they... Uh, make an emergency um, appeal or landing at any other airport. So that would be uh, quite spectacular to watch, um, seeing that land. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> imagine <laughs> a little prop aircraft or a little um, 737s, and then suddenly a bigger Airbus A340 comes in. <laughs> and, you've, <laughs> and you've got, and, you, uh. and also you've got the uh, extra long uh, version of that, which is, I think, is, um, I've flown on with Virgin Atlantic, is the A340-600, which is a stretch one. So if it was a stretch version, it's mega it's mega large. So. You definitely wouldn't want to be seeing uh, sitting behind in a Cessna. No, uh, 150 no, behind you wouldn't. The A340. I think, think you get sucked into the engines or, or blown away. Is that actually on 
the subject of that, me and uh, me and my wife Gemma were actually watching um, some YouTube videos um, yesterday, and um, the, the videos we were watching her were taken at Saint Martin, uh, yes. the airport there, and we watched. Um, there was one that uh, showed the KLM seven four seven four hundred coming it. in, yes, uh, over the beach. And there was another one where there was, uh, I didn't see which airline it was, because you can see in the back, but uh, it was an A340, and uh, it was taking off. It taxied out to the runway, turned round so the engines were, were um, blasting jet, you know, blast. jet blasts onto and the beach. And when he obviously pushed the throttles full uh, pelt to take off, um, the... <laughs> the 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 people on the beach were um, blasted well, across into the water. It yeah, was it was yeah. quite amazing really no, to see. You wouldn't get away with that anything like that here in the oh, UK and no, 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 uh, certain no. places. And, and to be quite honest, that's that's enjoyable to watch, and I'll never stop watching those. <laughs> but when you see people standing on the beach, you can actually, if you had a set of steps and you put them in the sand or on that little road at the end of the runway, you can. Well, you can near enough jump up and touch the wheels as that's coming in because yeah, it's oh, so low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there are warnings, obviously, with a jet blast and whatsoever, but it's quite dangerous because you're right, you're all that sand um, being blasted up from them engines as they uh, prepare for takeoff because they're they're right at the end of the runway, turning to take off. And if you imagine that aircraft is putting on full power. From from four no- four engines on yeah. the A three forty yes and uh, the seven four seven up to nothing uh, from nothing up to that well it's just the noise must be horrendous and there's also a little bar at the end which I've seen <laughs> and they name and yeah. um, some of the uh, cocktails are named uh, we've got jet blast cocktail and God knows what <laughs> other ones but I've seen them on the board and it's even got a arrivals and departures board on the actual. Um, at the bar, to, so people know when the aircraft are coming or going. But um, if you want a little peaceful holiday, that is not the place to land. Um, I say land, not the place to lay or be. No, no, definitely not. If you uh, if you go on to um, to YouTube at all and and check out this, you'll see uh, you'll see the landings uh, that happen at, at Saint Martin Airport. Um, just got got a quick clip to play. You'll be able to hear the sound, but this is um, a bit, bit breezy. This person here. There we go. You'll be able to hit the. You would see the, the aircraft. This is a seven four seven four hundred coming in. He's powering up again over the beach. Wow! Listen to them engines. <laughs> I almost feel as I'm in an airport right now. <laughs> Honestly, that is amazingly low. Um, <laughs> go on to YouTube and look at those because some of the videos are absolutely amazing. But um, we've got some interesting facts actually following on from that story of the pregnant um, woman giving birth there. Um, although most airlines won't uh, allow women to fly after 36 weeks of pregnancy or 32 weeks if pregnant with twins... Air France does not have similar rules. The airline doesn't restrict pregnant women from flying and it doesn't require a medical note or permit to, to travel, to air travel with Air France. No, I'm, um, I'm pretty shocked at that. They should have um, something in place because you're taking... Um, uh, obviously, if you're pregnant, I don't know because I'm a man, but any uh, woman who's pregnant, you're carrying a baby and you're in a pressurised aircraft... 
high altitude and you have got a lot of weight, extra weight that you're carrying and the, the deep vein thrombosis, uh, mm. which does exist on uh, flying long haul flights, is quite sort of, um, it's more apparent uh, during pregnancy. So most airlines do have a strict policy, but um, I'm surprised with Air France and... Well, it does state apparently that on their company's website that women, they just give a, a warning that women should avoid flying in the final month of pregnancy. Yes, yeah, I think it should be um, compulsory for that. Yeah, a bit, uh, oh, that must have been an exciting flight at the time. Yes. Next piece of news then from the Travel Mole mobile site, this one. Um, some Dreamliner news. Yes. Um, we... Well, we try not to want to have to um, tell any Dreamliner news because we're, we're kind of hoping that the um, the problems with the airline uh, or airliner have been ironed out. But um, this is regarding a Japan Airlines-operated Dreamliner that made an emergency landing at uh, Honolulu Airport after an oil pressure in its right-hand engine dropped. The flight en route to San Francisco from Tokyo diverted to Honolulu on Saturday afternoon with 160 passengers on board, a spokesman for JAL said. No one was injured in the incident, and they're investigating the cause of the drop in oil pressure, the spokesman said. The Boeing 787 is still parked in Hawaii uh, at the moment, and it's the latest glitch to hit the Dreamliner, which has suffered a series of problems with overheating batteries and fuel leaks. Investigators in Japan are still probing a battery that overheated on a Japan Airlines Dreamliner parked at Tokyo's Narita Airport in January uh, this year. The Dreamliner was grounded for several months uh, in January 2013, as we all know, after problems with its lithium-ion batteries. So Dreamliner problems again, Simon? Yes, again. Now, when uh, the Airbus A380 first started... I don't think it had this many problems as the Dreamliner, no, do you? No. Um, I really think, I just don't know what to say about this, because um, there's just one thing after another with this aircraft, um, and I just, um, well, I thought um, the teething problems would start to go away, but obviously we had a lot of battery problems and fuel leaks, and um, now we've got oil pressure problems. So the problems that they're having with the aircraft are sort of, are quite major problems. They're not sort of minor um, problems that you get with an aircraft, so no. it's quite concerning. Uh, There's also uh, a report I've got here in front of me. Um, this is from the Reuters website. This is something you may have heard, Simon. I'm not sure whether you would have done. Um, this one is uh, regarding cracks that have been found on the 787 Dreamliners that are in actual current production. This is from a day ago, um, this report, um, that uh, said that hairline cracks have been discovered in the wings of around 40 Dreamliners that are in production currently, making another setback for the company's newest jet, according to Reuters. The cracks have not been found on planes that are in use by airlines and therefore pose no safety risks, Boeing said, adding that the problem will not uh, uh, alter Boeing's plans to deliver 110 Dreamliners this year. This disclosure raised questions about repair costs and possible minor increases in the weight of the plane, but did not seem to spell major trouble for Boeing, industry experts said. Wing maker Mitsubishi Heavy Industries notified Boeing in February of the problem, which arose after the Japanese company altered its manufacturing process. They're discussing with Boeing how to deal with the problem, and a spokesman for Mitsubishi Heavy Industries in Tokyo said... 
that he was unable to comment on why the company has changed the manufacturing process of the wings. And Boeing, based in Chicago, said it immediately notified customers of potential delays. And it said that uh, none of the jets potentially affected by the problem have been delivered. So, uh, now if if that was me, I would uh, and I work for Boeing. I would be asking, uh, like like that's what they're doing. Uh, why have they altered the manufacturing process without consulting them? Which it looks to me as though what what's happened. You don't just change a process um, that you're currently doing without notifying anybody. So if if that was me, I think I'd want them to revert back to the previous process mm. they were using to build these wings. Perhaps it was a cost-saving thing, yes, Simon. Who, yes, you don't, you don't know, do you? No. That is one of the sort of bugbears of uh, life today. So more Dreamliner woes then. Um, obviously, the, these problems aren't going to go away soon, and um, we're going to be reporting on these problems for um, the foreseeable future, I think, at yes, uh, this yeah. rate, Simon. So next piece of news then from the Business Weekly site. This one is regarding Stansted Airport uh, transforming its terminal. Aviation Minister Robert Goodwill has officially opened Stansted Airport's new and improved 22-lane security area, search area. The first phase of Stansted's £80 million project to transform the iconic terminal building and improve the passenger experience. Phase one of the project has seen a security area relocated and doubled in size, with an additional four security lanes taking the total to 22. The new area also features 20 automatic self-serve entrance gates, dedicated lanes for families and passengers with reduced mobility, and a fast-track lane for premium travellers. Goodwill says it was a fantastic, or it was fantastic to see for myself the transformation of the terminal at Stansted and to hear about how passengers will benefit from measures to keep queues down, including more security lanes and new facilities for families with buggies and wheelchair users. By making this investment, Stansted is showing that uh, it's stepping up to the challenge of keeping the UK well connected. And uh, in just 12 months since taking ownership... um, the actual airline group, uh, Manchester Airport Group, who owns Stansted, um, they've managed to achieve this major milestone, a key element of our ambition to transform Stansted. Um, so good news then there, um, Simon, for Stansted. Then they've, uh, they've tried to make it even more easy to, tra- to uh, traverse through the airport. Yes, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I do, uh, I must admit, quite a sort of uh, regular, um, I say not passenger, but a regular um trips to uh, Stansted and it's quite an airy uh, airport and I do like mm. that and it's not too far away for us we're no. looking at about 85 90 miles something like that yeah just over sort of uh, an hour and, hour and a half yeah yeah, an hour and yeah half, about an hour and yeah, a half but from us um it's uh, nice it's just a shame uh, the uh, second runway isn't getting uh, built at the moment um, no it's all, uh, a long way off I think but I think with the security um, th- aspect there, obviously, um, is going to uh, bring some jobs as well, I would imagine, yes, to the airport yes. as well. Yes, and uh, having uh, said that, my yeah, wife's uh, brother, he's uh, now started as, uh, he's going to be a, uh, working uh, for security at um, Stansted, so uh, he's in training at Heathrow at the moment, so um, he's uh, looking forward to his uh, move to uh, Stansted. Um, so yeah, yeah, he'll be um, on uh, sort of uh, security uh, and uh, that's quite an enjoyable job, I would imagine. Yeah. Interesting as well. 
I'd love a job at an airport, Simon. No, oh, I bet you would. Yeah, what would you be doing now? Looking out of the window. Uh, what is that aircraft? What is out that of the one? window. I'll be. I'll be on the. Uh, I'll be on the tarmac. Oh, you'll be on the tarmac. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dream job. If anyone's um, yeah. anyone's listening at all from Norwich Airport, um, just uh, drop me an email, and uh, I'd love a job there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't mind uh, yes. as long as it involves um, uh, lots of tarmac visits yeah. uh, and of avi- aircraft. And, uh, aircraft. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd I'd even uh, I'd even make do with just the occasional seven three seven eight hundred, you yeah. know, the Thompson fly ones yes. that go into uh, and uh, you've got the Europa as well. Um, they're flying in there. <clears throat> yeah, all the KLM City Hoppers, all the uh, uh, obviously the North Sea oil rig uh, helicopters as well. So, That's it. Yeah, and a lot of little uh, tiny ones, and uh, obviously you've got Spravy Air there, which uh, do all the liveries for aircraft. So there are <clears throat> sometimes aircraft that come in there just for a paint job. Even from America, so um, and I know that because I've seen them uh, um, actually uh, on their apron at Norwich Airport. So yeah, right. So that's the last piece of news uh, that we have for this week. Then on the show, and uh, Simon, you've got have you got some another couple of snippets? Well, there? you've got um, one here: British Airways Heathrow flight grounded by engine surge. Oh, go on, far away. Um, an airport. Um, a plane was forced to turn back shortly after taking off at Heathrow Airport after an engine surge in the air. A witness said flames were sp- spitting out the engine as the aircraft took off at 2100 hours GMT on Thursday. British Airways said flight BA0364 Lyon to France uh, touched down safely, adding that the aircraft would thoroughly be checked over by engineers. A spokesman said... The safety of our customers and crew of the, on this aircraft is of utmost importance. The southern runway was closed for 16 minutes, as airport spokesman said. Tom Puttick, who works near Heathrow, said, I was in the petrol station opposite the airport, which heard, heard the bang, so I turned round. The airplane had flames spitting out of the engine with a spluttering noise and was still taking off. I then watched it continue to climb, and then the engine was still emitting flames intimately. Lots of blue lights that emerged from the uh, airport uh, while the plane, I guess, was on a turnaround uh, to come back to the airport landing. Couldn't see after the aircraft turned out of sight. In a statement, British Airways said, a flight experienced what was known as an engine surge as it took off from Heathrow, but has now returned and touched down safely. We train our pilots to the very highest standards, including how to respond to these types of events. And the engine was com- immediately shut down. The airline said passengers on the flight would have been given a hotel accommodation overnight and rebooked to fly on Friday. So um, that looked uh, quite a... Yeah, uh, the aircraft was an A319. Yes, yeah, so that is one Airbus, of their old ones. A319. That's um, one of the sort of smaller, short uh, short. Yeah, um, that is one of the ones they use, um, if From I'm correct. London City. London City, yeah, uh, yeah. as well, so... I'm, I'm just I'm follow, I'm looking at the story as well that, that um, Simon's just said about there, and um, it, one of the things that amuses me is when um, news um, feeds, news sort of um, the, quite some of the big big news companies when they cover stories on aircraft. Um, this is regarding an Airbus A319, and um, this particular um, I'm not going to mention the uh, news site, but uh, it's a, quite a large, um, well-known news site. And uh, they've posted a picture of the Airbus A319, um, which looks very much like an Airbus A380. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I can see that it's um, definitely an Airbus A380. And it, it, to be fair, it's a British Airways one. They've got the um, correct airline. But yes. uh, the difference between an Airbus <laughs> A319 and an Airbus A380 is... Um, Immense. <laughs> It's immense, yeah. But having said that, they've got the um, they've got the make of the aircraft right, Airbus. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is an Airbus. Isn't yeah. It? Yes. <laughs> so yes. you've, got, you've got another piece of uh, uh, yeah. Um, here is a twenty-five million pound terminal extension taking shape at Edinburgh. Ah, so very nice airport. Yes, um, it is a nice airport. Um, Edinburgh's airport terminal extension is looking more like a building with the construction of steelwork and roof. The project is part of a £150 million plan to improve the airport over the next five years so it can compete better on the international stage. If you haven't seen the progress on the new 6,000 square metre facility expected to be finished by the end of this uh, the year, here's an early morning snap. Now, I'm looking at this, and this is, the sun is rising, and it's just a mass of steel work, and obviously the um, entrance uh, there is actually um you can see that's got this roof on there's loads of scaffolding and everything but it's looking quite impressive there so yeah there's a 25 million pound that should be uh, finished by the end of the year hmm. that's an airport that um i've flown into with my wife Gemma once yes and i've also <laughs> flown into there again on my stag weekend yes <laughs> <laughs> to edinburgh yes. it's a lovely airport I, yes. will, I will say very yes. very it's nice, a nice um, it's a lovely uh, flight and, and if you are actually standing around edinburgh and at a certain points you stand you can actually see the aircraft from quite a way away take off and land and it's quite um quite interesting to watch because um, you've got the uh, mountains in the background and it's a lovely sort of uh, place to uh, watch aircraft yeah so any more bits of news um simon at uh, all? no i think uh we're uh, all up to date as much as we can on that obviously i've got my little segment uh coming shortly you have yeah yes um there was something i was just gonna um to to bring up as well um is um something close to my heart anyway and it's something that i've picked up on before but uh simon posted a picture on uh on our facebook page regarding this and that's uh the, the tristar retirement yes um there's a picture if you go on our facebook page there is a picture of um one of the l1011 tristars being scrapped at raf kemble and uh, I have to say, such a, it is a sorry picture. Yes. Um, the engine, <coughs> engines have been remo- removed. And then um, there's part of the rear that's actually uh, been taken off as well, hasn't there? Yeah, that's uh, where they removed the rear, the actual engine, that is. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is, I have to admit, I, I did sit and uh, sit when I saw this picture online and... Um, and I was quite upset. I was. Yes, I have to yes. say to see now, see the tri Now this uh, one, this is uh, quite recent. This, I think this has only happened in the last few weeks that this has uh, flown in a uh, Kemble, and um, it's been uh, scrapped. So on one of the um, aprons, and obviously it's been taken apart. And they will keep the uh, parts and their engines to be sold on, or for I think they'll be uh, sort of recycled, as they normally do with other uh, aircraft uh, that are being scrapped. But it's, um, I don't know how many they've actually got uh, still in service at the moment, but hopefully on the Queen's flight, which is in June, the second uh, weekend in June, we should ho- hopefully have one of those uh, in the uh, actual fly past. So <laughs> if you are about um, to see that, that is worth uh, watching. I'll give you more details on that um, in the coming months. 
Yeah, don't forget um, as well. Keep if you're going to the. Uh, are you right there, Simon? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> fine. If you're going to um, to the air shows this year, make sure you keep an eye out for um, for me and Simon. We'll uh, we are in the process of getting putting together some uh, some uniforms for yes. uh, me and Simon. I've got to sort those out this week. Um, so you'll see the the uh, Plane Talking UK podcast logos and stuff and uh, you should uh, if you've looked at our website you'll uh, you'll definitely see um see obviously uh, the picture of me and simon i have actually changed your photo simon oh on have the website. you yes i have yeah i've updated the picture of you right. um in fact there's a picture of you there now with the red arrows behind you oh lovely which, uh, which is a bit better isn't it yes yeah. yes it's um, a, uh, with the 50th anniversary on the- um uh, uh, um <laughs> off the top of my head let me just have a quick look at the website so, for those of you uh, listening, if you go to www.plaintalkinguk.com, plain spelled P-L-A-N-E, talkinguk.com, go to there and click on Meet the Team, and uh, you'll see, yes, as a, well, it's a, yeah, it is, yeah, the blue, blue, white, and red tail, that's right. Uh, yes, it uh, should have a 50 going through it, and it's I a can't flag. quite see, but you'll have to, can you see that one, Simon, as... Is that, yeah, that's that's, old, um, is that an that's old a, picture? Uh, Blackpool Airport, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll see the picture of uh, me standing uh, in front of an Airbus A380 at Farnborough two years ago, and the picture, as we said, of Simon uh, with the red arrows behind him. Simon. Yes, that's nice. Uh, thanks for uh, doing that. Yeah. I uh, didn't realise he'd done that until he just told us. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, you should be keeping an eye on our website. Yes, though, I All should. these changes I, I make. I must uh, uh, mention... Um, Carlos has actually purchased me a belt. Um, it's a oh, seat. yes. If you remember from our last podcast, um, we uh, we had uh, had a, um, a chat quickly at the beginning of the episode about a particular belt that I'd purchased from uh, um, eBay, and the belt being a aircraft seat buckle. Um, I'm going to so, have to do it. I'm going to have <laughs> oh, to do it. We, we, we've done this before, but it's, it is it, it, it is a proper um, Airbus seat belt buckle, uh, maybe from the factory. And um, it's got Airbus on the front of the buckle, and it's just uh, lovely. I've had a lot of people take the mickey out of me, but uh, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> I don't care. I'm an air, aircraft geek, so yes. uh, same as Carlos. We both aircraft geeks, <laughs> and we don't care because we uh, we just love talking um, about aircraft, uh, all things aircraft, and that we is uh, that is our passion. Yes, it certainly is. Right, so we we must move swiftly on, Simon. What are we, what are we on here now? We're on uh, we're on an hour and twenty minutes. That's pretty good. We've done quite well, haven't we? Yes. Right, so uh, that's the end of the news bit, and us just rambling on section of the show, and uh, we're going to come back after this. It's like being at St. Martin, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> with the planes flying over. Right, so uh, with his uh, little snippet, few bits of uh, military stuff, aviation and uh, air show, uh, few bits of air show news as well, I'm going to hand you over to Simon. So if you're ready, Simon? Yes, I'm ready. Let's, Let's go. go. So with his bits of military aviation news and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much. Uh, another bit of sad news here. Um, it's regarding a pilot from America um, who's flying a um, FA-18 
um, aircraft and he's actually uh, been killed uh, in an exercise which was a FA-18C and um, he's on an exercise training in Nevada desert uh, Naaman 32 of Hopedale um, was assigned as a Marine All-Weather Fighter Attack Squadron 242 Marine Aircraft Group 12 First Marine Wing was a student and uh, was permanently stationed at the Marine Museum Air Station Awokini I think it's spelt I don't know if I pronounced that right but um, yeah uh, so uh, he was on a train and he's a father of four and um, he's uh, the plane crashed approximately 70 miles east of uh, Naval Air Station Fallon where it took crews several hours to reach the crash site due, due to snow storms and mountainous remote terrain and the crews discovered the wreckage described as a total loss the marine jet was alone from uh, to the naval strike uh, air warfare center and on sunday the navy announced that the pilot had been killed in the crash in the hornet uh, and a further update so uh, will be available so uh, that is uh, quite sad isn't it mm. yeah always yeah. is when we lose a pilot yes yeah yeah so a big investigation into that so um, another thing uh, just on to the Red Arrows uh, again they actually uh, last week uh, flown their first nine ship formation uh, for 2014 so they're just all uh, getting brushed up on their skills and um, uh, if you do have a look about and you just google it and, or go to their website um, it will tell you about their first nine ship formation of 2014 so we now know um, they're getting uh, towards their sort of achievement and to be uh, verified and passed out for um, to have their display uh, certification for this year. So um, that'll be happening when they're on their return, or I would imagine after their return uh, to the UK. So once they're out um, in the hotter climates, of, I think they're going to Cyprus again. We should uh, they should get their verification and uh, ready for the air show season. So that will uh, that's quite exciting. But they are obviously still training in the UK at the moment, and they will go out train to better weather and then come back uh, ready for the air show season, which starts in May. Um, so that will be uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm just looking at their um, their the RAF's um, event schedule, yes. and uh, their first event on their schedule list. Is Saturday the thirty first of May. Yes. Uh, the Penn Dennis Cup. Yes. At Falmouth Cornwall. Yes. They'll um, be uh, down there. They do spend quite a lot of time uh, down uh, that sort of way, Bournemouth, um, Devon, um, and one or two other places. So yeah, um, that is quite a sort of popular area where they uh, do, uh, do a lot of displays. And um, if you haven't seen their uh, twenty fourteen. Um, 50th anniversary uh, display livery on the aircraft all that's changed is the actual tail and it's a Union Jack tail and it's got the fallen gnat and the hawk at the top of the um, the actual flag and then it's got 50 display seasons as well and it's quite spectacular I've looked at the whole nine ship formation together and it, <laughs> it looks strange because um, it's something different which uh, we've never seen before so uh, compared to the uh, what they normally have, 
it's only for this year because um, it's their 50th display season and uh, they've had a lot of aircraft which they've used. Um, I say a lot. Uh, when I, Red Pelicans, uh, the Hawker Hunter, they were black. Uh, the Yellow Jacks, um, which were yellow, and obviously uh, the Red Arrows, when they first started, were founded with seven aircraft. And then they went to a full nine uh, to give better uh, display patterns um, using the uh, nine aircraft. And then they went on to the um, Hawk after that, which is their current aircraft at the moment. So that is uh, something to look forward to, and uh, I can't wait. Uh, times are getting uh, closer every day as we uh, speak uh, to the air show season. Um, looking at the air show calendar for 2014. The first display is Wings and Wheels and Rotors. Um, and this is at Wolverhampton Halfpenny Green Airport, Staffordshire, featuring vintage vehicles and visiting aircraft from all over the UK. And the show is growing bigger each year. And 2014 is expected to be um, even bigger. So uh, it's already from pilots, drivers and trade stands. So that is uh, something to look forward to. And then the next one... Is on the 27th of uh, April and it's Wings and Wheels, Old Buckingham. Now, I've never been there um, and they have a lot of vintage aircraft there, so um, that may be uh, one worth checking out uh, sometime this year. Yeah, if you go on to our website at uh, Plane Talking UK, um, we've actually got another a tab you can click on now with Air Show News. Um, we've picked a few of the sort of. Um, the bigger air shows from across the country over the course of this year and we've just put a few little details on on the website that uh, you can look at uh, regarding the air shows um, some of which me and Simon will be at um, uh, we're hoping uh, to visit as many air shows as we can this year um, obviously me and Simon have already booked our tickets to Riyadh this year and, and Far- uh, Farnborough, Farnborough yes. as well uh, we'll be there um, so make sure you keep your eyes open there and also at the bottom of the page on our Airshow News tab on the website, there is a, a link you can click on. And uh, if you click on that link, it will take you to the Flightline UK uh, website, which is a website that Simon uses um, to get all his Airshow News and stuff. And that features quite a comprehensive calendar of um, all the air shows that are happening across the UK this year. So just go to our website uh, com, and uh, you'll see the tab on the uh, home page there um, that says Airshow News 2014. Click on that and, uh, yeah, enjoy. Yes, yep, yeah. So there is... Uh, we will uh, try and keep it updated as much as we can, but obviously as we go um, into the Airshow season, we're going to be uh, giving you details uh, of... Uh, mostly uh, big air shows and uh, when the red arrows are um, appearing or where and uh, obviously each air show that they do um, that gives the transit times take off from the airport or their hub airport which they use for the day um, so we'll be giving you all updates on that so uh, yeah do, do stay tuned and we will um, give you uh, as much information as we possibly can and that air show um, website if you are going to or attending to go, intending on going to any of these um, air shows, if you look, it will have the postcode 
that is needed if you are struggling to find out whereabouts exactly you've got to go to. So that is well worth um, looking. So I think we all struggle at some point yes. to find places. Yes, we do, yeah. We all love our sat-navs. Yeah, <laughs> yes, when they take you to the right place. Yes. Now, I've had them take me to the wrong place before <laughs> as, uh, you, uh, as well. So Excellent. So, Simon, is that uh, your yes, last bit of... Uh, yes, that's yep. uh, my last bit. It's, uh, I think it's time to go home uh, yes, soon and get with, some um, dinner on. Yes, I've got to put the dinner on. The uh, wife will be home in uh, just over an hour's time, so I need to cook tea. But we've got um, just the last bit of the show to do, which is our uh, In Focus segment. And if you remember on Facebook, we asked you to vote for your favourite military aircraft. What we done was, um, for this particular one, we posted um, military aircraft of the transport variety um, for you to choose from. And... Uh, We've had a few a few people commenting on them, um, on the aircraft and stuff to choose. And I'm just looking at here to check out and see if there's any more um, people. Let's have a look here to see if anyone else has voted on any other aircraft. So, no, we've not got any more new ones coming on the episode yet. So the aircraft then, uh, as we said, were military ones. It was um, Simon's uh, turn this week to have uh, uh, a choice of military aircraft to choose from for the episode. Um, And the winner of the, or the one that most voted for, um, for the episode this week, was the C-17 Globemaster. So... We're going to do the in-focus segment on the Globemaster. So if you're ready, Simon. Yes, I'm ready. Right. We're going to have to get a jingle for this particular segment. We yes, haven't got one uh, here, but we'll get one. Yep. So the Boeing C-17 Globemaster. Uh, it's a large military transport aircraft, and it was developed for the United States Air Force from the 1980s to the early 1990s by McDonnell Douglas. The C-17 carries the name of two previous piston-engine military cargo aircraft, the Douglas C-74 Globemaster and the Douglas C-124 Globemaster II. The C-17 commonly performs strategic airlift missions transporting troops and cargo throughout the world. Additional roles include tactical airlift, medical evacuation and airdrop duties. Boeing, which merged with McDonnell Douglas in the 1990s, continues to manufacture the C-17 for export to customers following the end of deliveries to the U.S. Air Force. The C-17 is operated by the U.S. Air Force, United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, NATO Heavy Lift Air Wing, India and Kuwait. So the first flight of the C-17 Globemaster was on the 15th of September 1991. It was introduced in <coughs> on the 17th of January 1995. And the primary users uh, today are the United States Air Force, the Royal Air Force, the Royal Australian Air Force, and the Indian Air Force. And as of 1991 to the present day, 250 have been built at a unit cost of $218 million. So some facts on the C-17 Globemaster then. The wingspan from wingtip to wingtip is 169.8 feet, 
or 51.74 metres. The length of the aircraft is 174 feet or 53.04 metres. Height at the tail is 55.1 feet, 16.79 metres. The fuselage diameter is 22.5 feet or 6.86 metres. The engines, it's powered by four Pratt & Whitney PW2040 military designation of those are the F-117 PW100s, each producing 40,440 pounds of thrust each. The cargo compartment crew have has one loadmaster, and the cargo floor length is 68.2 feet or 20.78 metres, with a ramp length of 21.4 feet or 6.52 metres uh, structural length. The loadable width of the aircraft is 18 feet or 5.49 metres, and the loadable height underwing is 12.3 feet or 3.76 metres. The ramp to ground angle is 9 degrees, and the ramp capacity is £40,000 or 18,144 kilograms. It can carry 11 463L pallets, including two on the ramp, and in a single load airdrop can load uh, can uh, airdrop 60,000 uh, pounds platform, which is 27.26 uh, kilograms. Uh, it has a rail logistical rail system capacity on board for loading and unloading of pallets, and. Just scrolling through the next, and here, where are we? Here we go, here we go. So it has a flight crew of two pilots, uh, two observers, and the instrument displays, the pilots have a head-up display each, and the uh, navigation system is provided by digital electronic systems, and the communications have integrated radio management systems with communication systems and open architecture, or COSA. The flight control system is a quadruple redundant electronic flight control with a mechanical backup system. Always handy, Simon. Yes. And the wing area covers 3,800 square feet. And the flaps are a fixed vane, double-slotted, single-hinged flap. Has winglets, as do most aircraft nowadays. The winglets on this aircraft are 8.92 feet or 2.72 metres tall. And the horizontal tail uh, area is uh, 845 square feet. And the main landing gear type, they have a triple tandem uh, setup with a width of 33.7 feet. And they have, for those of you wanting to know how many tyres, they have 50 21 by 20 tyres on the aircraft. And the uh, wheelbase, last piece of information, the wheelbase is 65.8 feet, or 20.06 <coughs> metres. So there we go. That's the C-17 Globemaster. And uh, I'm going to give you a bit of information on go this. Go on then, Simon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I may have told you that uh, I actually know someone who actually designed this from scratch. Um, have I? You know them? Yes. Well, why are they not on the show, Simon? <laughs> He's <laughs> retired and uh, um. he lives in uh, Arizona now. So, yeah, it was Tony Campbell. and He used to work for English Electric. Then he worked um, he's Scottish. And we used to stay with him when we skied. And uh, he worked at the Long Beach factory uh, where they were built. And he was one of the uh, designers that actually um, designed and helped build that aircraft. So, yeah, it was... Um, at Long Beach, where they were uh, made, 
Um, that is an airport in uh, California, uh, which is a military uh, stroke um, civil uh, airport. And um, I actually saw one of the photographs of the pro- first takeoff of the prototype in 1991, September. And it was signed by all his colleagues on his retirement. So, uh, yeah, he did actually design and help build that aircraft. Yeah. And that had uh, the, f- the prototype, first one, had a um, big, long um, radar uh, rod on the front of the uh, cockpit um, to do test flights, um, obviously when they were testing it on its first flight. So, yeah, um, and obviously he's worked at Groom Lake, uh, which is Area 51, although he won't actually disclose that, um, but I do have seen the uh, photos and uh, aircraft and that don't even exist um, in his uh, garage. So um, that's quite interesting. Excellent. But- we're going to try and um, hopefully um, in the, in the next episode. We're going to try and as uh, soon as we know when we're going to be recording, which will hopefully be soon, Simon. Yes, because <laughs> um, I do look forward to these little um, recording sessions we have. Um, we're going to try and get a guest on board again. Um, for those of you who remember, a few episodes back, we had uh, Captain Jeff from the Airline Pilot Guy podcast who stood in for Simon and co-hosted with me on the show. That was uh, awesome. We're going to try and have another guest on the show soon and. Um, Hopefully uh, that will be in the next, either next episode or the next few episodes. We'll get a guest. And we've also uh, just recently um, got uh, an outside recording uh, unit, which we're going to be using at uh, the air shows this year, and uh, that's uh, going to provide a, a sort of way of us to uh, put some uh, sort of re- re- uh, interviews on the show as and when the uh, air shows do happen. And hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, uh, we'll get a media accreditation for Farnborough this year which will be handy for me and Simon. Um, and also, don't forget, like we said before, when you're at the air shows, look out for us this year. We'll have our Plain Talking UK podcast um, T-shirts on, and uh, you'll be able to spot us. Um, don't forget, look at the website. You'll be able to see our... our logo. <laughs> our logos or ugly mugs on there on the pictures. You'll be able to see our pictures. And, um, yeah, yeah, keep your eyes open. So we've just got a few mentions to do, and... Uh, we're going to do the. Uh, we're just going to do a, give a few mentions to a few uh, people after yes. this. Yes, with that uh, particular jingle, then we're just going to mention a few of our um, listeners who have uh, popped up on our Facebook feed. Uh, we're going to say hello to Wayne Bova. Is it yes, Bova? Yes, or Bova. Wayne Bova. I, I call him Why Bova. Why Bova. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, one of um, one of uh, Simon's friends there, Wayne. Uh, he's uh, he's liked our Facebook page. Hello, Wayne. Uh, hope you're doing well there. What, what does what does Wayne do? Uh, he is a quality control um, person for um, Dean's Four at Birdseye. Does all the quality control. All right for tasting products Ooh. and uh, checking the codes and the bags and um, and everything is. Um, fit before it leaves the factory is, is he an av geek like us um i'm getting trying to get him into it like yeah. the football but i'm not into football oh, so god no we don't like football no, we, we don't, don't do football on no, this show football's a swear word on this show <laughs> no, <laughs> no we do planes that's it yeah so hello to wayne and also neville bounds um neville uh he's liked us on facebook as well hello neville bounds uh thanks for thanks for liking us on there you've uh, put a little um like on uh, the comment we've had for this episode and last one is uh, hello to Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith, he uh, he's actually on his way to Ireland tomorrow. Yes, uh, he's flying with Ryanair. Yes, 
<laughs> and uh, he uh, he's uh, hoping that his flight goes well. Um, obviously, he's paid um, 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 not very much money for his flight. Yes. Um, hopefully, he's just carrying on, carry on baggage only. Yes. Um, he's got a cheap flight, but he's going to Ireland tomorrow. So, uh, wish you a good flight tomorrow for that, uh, Matt Smith. I hope you enjoy your flight with Ryanair, and don't forget to have yourself one of those delicious sandwiches on board. But make sure you pay for it. Yes. Because yes. uh, you you might get um, booted off the flight or yes. or uh, something worse. <laughs> yes. So I've got one more special. Uh, th- uh, yes, more, Simon more. has got a very special well, uh, thank, thank you. you. So we'll leave, we'll let you get on with that one, Simon. Yes. Um, I'd like uh, to say a special thank you to Jem uh, Holden for drawing a lovely uh, picture of one of the Wright brothers. Um, she's actually drawn it by hand, and it's all framed, and uh, it's absolutely uh, lovely. And uh, thank you uh, very much for that, uh, Gem. And I uh, hope to catch up with you sometime soon and uh, buy you a drink at the uh, local pub uh, the karaoke evenings, <laughs> so, uh, what, which Carlos does. Um, yeah. But um, it's a lovely, uh, lovely drawing. It is and, very, very And good. Uh, her drawings are spectacular, and uh, thanks again uh, for that uh, lovely thing. And uh, it will take pride of place um, uh, at my home. So, yeah, thank, thank you, Jem. Uh, yeah, you made Simon's Day there, Jem. Well yes. done. So, with that then, we're going to bring this episode, episode number 13 of the Plain Talking UK podcast, to a close. I'd like to thank all our listeners, as usual, for uh, for listening to us, for downloading us through iTunes, and uh, for uh, listening to us, streaming us via uh, the links on our website and on Facebook as well. Um, it's excellent to know that we do have, because we have, uh, we've got quite a good uh, listener base now. We're, yes, we're we have, glad yes. to say, um, in quite a few different countries now. Yes, we are global. We're global, and uh, don't forget, please, 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 do send us some feedback um, via our website at www.plaintalkinguk.com. That's plain spelt P-L-A-N-E. Also, look us up on Facebook, Plain Talking UK Podcast. Look us up on Facebook and uh, like us on there. And don't forget, you can download us on iTunes as well. Um, You can download us on there. Just type in on the search box, Plain Talking UK, and you'll find our podcast on there, alongside some of the other great aviation podcasts, uh, which you'll as well find on iTunes. So, Simon, that's another one done. It is. It um, is. That was quite a, an emotional and uh, a little bit sad uh, talking about that aircraft. And yeah. uh, as we said in the coming uh, weeks and uh, podcast, we'll give you uh, more updates on that um, if we get any more information. But at the current time, there's uh, not a lot else um, no. information-wise. So, yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. Keep an eye on our Facebook page, and obviously uh, the links will be on there soon, so you can download uh, this episode, which you must have already done because you'll be listening to us now (laughs) so from me carlos thanks for listening as always um it's been great producing the podcast for you guys hope you've enjoyed listening to us don't forget please do send us some feedback we're begging you (laughs) and um so yeah from me carlos thanks for listening take care and from you simon yeah it's uh take care from me as well and uh look forward to uh see Seeing, seeing you, <laughs> speaking to you all next time. <laughs> we'll be, you could see we'll us. see him at the we'll see him at the air shows. Yes, Simon, don't yes, panic. we will. We'll we will. Yes, thanks again. Yep. Yeah. Okay, then take care, then guys, and we'll speak to you all again soon. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>